On this final Sunday of Advent, we are to light the candle of love. And we have a loving family with us, the Sheely family, extended family here today, with Steve and Elizabeth that you know well, and with Mary, and with Michael, and with their children, Charlie and Savannah, and Kristen, uh, also daughter of Steve and Elizabeth. They'll be reading the litany that's printed in your order of worship to follow along. God is making the final preparations for an amazing thing. Let us remember and prepare for God's intervention of love. At first, there was the frail light of a single candle of hope, daring to pierce the darkness of despair and sin. Then the candle of peace brought us God's persistent fire that dispels the forces of vice. Then the candle of joy promised that our weeping will turn into laughter and our mourning into gladness. Today we light the candle of love, for no other word so completely captures the spirit of our faith or beautifully describes what we know about God. For God so loved the world that a child was given, and this holy child shared the love of God with the world. We give thanks for the love of God seen most clearly in the life of Jesus Christ. May the life and love and light of God shine brightly in our lives. Welcome to the worship of God at Northside Drive Baptist Church and for a bit of an extended season in the chapel of Northside Drive. Welcome to this place as we celebrate the fourth Sunday of Advent. Especially do we welcome those of you who are guests here today and have traveled to places uh, to get here all the way from Woodstock or all the way from Colorado. So welcome. Uh, there are on the edges of your order of service a welcome card. If our guest would take a moment to complete that, drop it in the plate later, it'll help us connect name and face with you. Also, for anyone who would like to be prayed for or a prayer request this week, place that on the card, drop it in the plate as well, and it's an honor for our staff and for our deacons to pray for you by name and by need. Well, we didn't intend on being in the chapel, but doesn't it look beautiful? It just does. And I appreciate all of Santa's elves that have helped make this possible. I'm looking at one of them and others of them who have arranged everything and we've moved the creche to be right here. And it's most of the characters still in it. Uh, the choir has been relocated. The Chrismon tree is in the back. There's been a lot of 
things that had to be done, but thanks to all of you who helped make this place so beautiful. The sermon today will be a little different. It'll be three mini-sermons, and I can hear what you're thinking, three is too many. (laughs) But three mini-sermons, one after each of the texts. I like to think of, I like the Advent wreath, and the candles, that it's the great tapestry of Advent and Christmas, of love and joy uh, and peace and hope. It's sort of like the front side of the tapestry that had the English uh, fox hunters on their horses over here, and then over here there are the foxhounds, and the fox is somewhere over there. But all of the pictures are distinct but connected, but then you turn around the tapestry to the back side, and it looks like a mess. I mean, threads running everywhere, balled up, bunched up, knotted up. But you can't have the front beautiful without the back like that. It takes both. Well, these sermons are from texts today that are part of Advent, but sort of the the backside. It's about yearning. It's about grieving. And it's about the importance of choosing Christmas. And so that's where we're headed. Uh, Dr. Priscilla Eppinger who has the most beautiful stole in the world on purple fitting Advent is going to be our worship leader today. Let us worship God. Will you join with me in prayer? Source of light and life Sometimes it feels like we live in a land of fear, surrounded by darkness. But on this morning, when we are aware that the days begin to lengthen after the longest night, we believe that there are signs of your love and compassion all around us but we often don't perceive them, sometimes even not wanting to see your signs. We see wildfires in Australia, latest catastrophic evidence of global climate change, volcanic eruptions in New Zealand, that in a moment of surprise took the lives of several tourists. We see an Ebola outbreak in the Congo that has continued for two years now amidst violence there and outbreaks of measles worldwide, a preventable disease that we somehow do not prevent. We see warfare and the displaced people and refugees that results from warfare. We see darkness, O God, even when we look at our own country. And yet we believe that you have sent your light into the world Help us to recognize the light of the world. We believe that you have given us light. 
help us not to hide that light under a bushel, but to place it on a lampstand where all can see, where it might be seen by those living in the darkness of grief or loneliness, the darkness of illness, of violence, of confusion or despair. Oh God, let us see your light, the light that you sent and instructed us to call Jesus, the Lord saves, and to call Emmanuel, God with us. For it is through Jesus, Emmanuel, that we pray, using the words that he taught us, our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Children, would you all please come forward and join me up here for our children's lesson? Thank you. Oh, thank you. I'm going to be right here. Y'all be right in front. Leah, will you hold my book? Thank you. If you have an offering, you can give it to Pastor Daniel. Thank you. No after church. Wow, good morning, everyone. Scoot up a little bit. We got to make a little bit of room. There we go. Wonderful. Good. So good to see everyone. Come sit right here, sweetie. All right. Well, it is so good to see all of you. Leah, will you hand me that book? This morning, I wanted to talk to all of you a little bit about uh, love. So our candle today that we, that we light is the candle of love. And so I to you a little bit about that. One of the ways that parents love their kids, I think one of the first ways that they show their love to their kids is they pick out a name for you. Have any of your parents ever told you the story of your name? How they picked your name? Yeah. Maybe are some, some of you know that story. Do you know if your name was from a family member? How many people are named for a family member, like a grandma or a grandpa or their mom or their dad? How many of you have a name that your parents picked just because they really liked it and they thought that would be beautiful for you? That's me. How about your parents? Your parents had you. You were born, and they looked at you, and they said, well, your name's going to be Jay. Some parents name you like that. That's how they do that. They look at you, and they say, well, this baby is definitely a Jay, and then you are Jay forevermore. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that happens, and that's how parents, I think they love us a lot when they do that. You know, one of the ways that we named our kids, we thought about how it sounded, name. So we did our first, we did Leah, Abigail, Johnson, and we thought that rhythm sounded good because it was all about the rhythm for us. We had to listen to the, the, mu the music of it, the cadence. And, and Aaron Zachary Johnson, what did your dad? Two years to get his name. Oh my goodness, that's a naming story we will have to hear definitely. Sounds very interesting. 
Well, you don't know it yet? Well, maybe he will tell you, and then we can tell you. So, and then we can talk about it. So, the name that we are all kind of thinking about here coming to Christmas is Jesus, right? That's a name that we're thinking about. Well, you might wonder why did Jesus' parents name him Jesus? Looks like the nutcracker up here. So we, <laughs> um, so you might wonder why Jesus named was named Jesus. Well, that's because an angel told his parents what to name him. An angel came to visit, and he said, "You've got to name your baby Jesus, and that will mean God saves." And all names have meanings. I brought this book. Uh, I looked up what my name means in this book, and my name means courageous and strong. Mm. And then Pastor Daniel's name means God is my judge. That's what this book says. Uh Uh-oh. Here he is. And uh, your honor. And then James, Pastor James, I looked up Pastor James's name. And in this book it says it's a form of Jacob, but it means he who supplants. So it sounds very official. So So all of our names have different meanings. But the name of Jesus, it really means that God saves. And that's because Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Son of God, but He is God. See, He's all here. He's with us. And because He came to earth to be with us, and because God sent Him to be with us, through Him, we are saved. We have salvation. And even though He was a tiny baby at Christmas, He's going to get bigger, and He's going to do great things. And He becomes the Savior of all people and all all people in the whole world and that's a really big thing for a tiny baby and you and it's just one name but it's a big name and that's a name that we will always remember at Christmas so let let's oh that's very pretty well king and prince that's sort of like Jesus well let's all say a prayer now okay let's bow our heads Dear God, thank you for your gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the beautiful name that means salvation for all. We are so excited for Christmas. We are so ready for you to come. In your name we pray, amen. All right, let's go with Miss Mary Lou. Up, go that way, please. Go, 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 go. Huh? Oh, yeah, here, take it, baby. first lesson this morning comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verses 10 through 16, where the Hebrew prophet insists that the king will receive a sign from God, whether the king wants it or not. And the sign will be a young woman bearing a son that she will call Emmanuel. Listen for the word of God. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be as deep as Sheol or as high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, Is it too little for you to weary mortals, 
that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. Here ends the first lesson. Since the word that rises to the top in this peculiar text is the word sign, that's what I want to talk about, sign language. In this text, it's about King Ahaz, who was a king in the southern kingdom of Judah there in Jerusalem in the 8th century BCE. It was a time of complex culture, complex politics, complex geography, complex military. It's kind of like our time. I would say. I don't want to go into a lot of detail, though you can ask Steve Sheely afterward about all of the uh, interesting political issues about the text, because you'll forget them when you leave anyway. But I want to talk about that sign. Uh, Isaiah says, now here's going to be the sign. The sign will be that a woman will give birth, give birth to a child, a son, and the son will be called Emmanuel, and that's the sign. And my hunch is King Ahaz would say, can't we have something a little less vulnerable than a baby? Something stronger, something more powerful, but yet that was the sign. Now, I bet that every species on this planet pays attention to signs. I mean, what... still working? All right. I'll do away with that piece of the sermon. <laughs> uh, what is a sign other than that? What is a sign? A sign is an object, a presence, or an occurrence that indicates something else. Right? Uh, it is an event. It's an object. It's an occurrence, it's a presence that indicates something else. Every species, I figure, on the planet looks for signs. Like, how do birds know when to fly south for the winter? Uh, is it that their thermometer is at a certain degree, that's time to leave? Or is it a certain length of time that the temperature stays? Or is it that they are sensitive to an alteration in the magnetic field of the planet Earth? And they go, now's the time. But they, they watch for a sign. We watch for an octagonal-shaped sign, and it means stop. Or we watch when the gas dial is over on empty, and we have stopped. That whatever the sign is, we say we need to take action. The child looks sick. You take the t temperature. It's 102 degrees. We know that that is a sign. There are a lot of signs in the Bible. They were all, always asking Jesus, can you give us a sign? Matter of fact, when the angels were fluttering and flapping above the shepherds outside of Bethlehem, 
what was it they said? Uh, this and this and this. Oh, and this will be a sign unto you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. So we, we live our lives by signs. Um, there have been signs that people have been talking about this week coming out of our nation's capital. Yeah, does it mean this? Does it mean that? I know everybody gets a little anxious when uh, politics is brought up in church. Not that you're not thinking of it right now, anyway. It was sort of at the end of the week that Christianity Today editor wrote an editorial that said it's time for a change. And at least from my perspective, the white evangelical world has pretty been monolithic in its voice, and does that mean a crack in the story? Don't know, we'll see, some think a sign. Others watch the stock market, it's doing okay, doing okay, but, but it's not gonna hold on quite like that. What does that sign mean? Well, when it comes to Christmas and Advent, what signs are you looking for to know that Christmas is near? Uh, for some of you, it's the baby, kind of like with Ahaz. Could have been his own child, could have been Hezekiah, could have been Isaiah's son. Anytime a baby shows up, it's always a sign, uh, and people give thanks to God, especially grandparents, I've noticed. Have you noticed how Don Janney glows in the dark? Now, Christmas is different for Don Janney because there's a new grandbaby present. Uh, it's been different to be here in the chapel, maybe a sign. Some of us were here on time last week as we listened to the Messiah and didn't the choir just bring it from the soloist to the choir to the instrumentalists and the, the eminence was so close, it was palpable. Always talk with Keith about on Christmas Eve at 10.30, how do we connect the distant choir from the distant congregation? We don't have to worry about that this year. We're all around the fireplace in the living room together. What sign might it be for you to say, here's an action I need to take about Christmas. Is there a truth to power statement that you need to make? Is there a gift to give, a letter you need to write? Uh, both of friendship or of challenge. What kind of symbol, sign awaits an object or presence or occurrence that indicates something else? Something is changing. Christmas is on the way. At this time, we're going to be listening to some music as a gift from Joel Stauffer and uh, we tune our hearts and open our ears.
The psalmist beseeches God to bless and restore God's people and to heal their grief and sorrow. A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. That was, that was a test, and you passed. <laughs> From the Psalms. From the Psalms. Psalm 80. We'll test if the rest is there. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors. Our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. But let your hand be upon the one at your right hand, the one whom you made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Here ends the second lesson. Thank you, Simon. You, you passed the lay reader challenge. <laughs> Not all passed that challenge. <laughs> and we never let them forget it. Uh, the psalmist does not mix words. I'm, I, the older I get, the more I appreciate the depth and width and height and wisdom that are in the psalms. Uh, they, the psalmists don't write with synthetic spirituality. They don't write with faux faith. It's real stuff that they're talking about, as in, oh God, you don't hear our prayers. How long will you be angry with us? You have made us eat bread made out of our own tears. You don't get much more honest than that. And so using that imagery, I want to hold up that grieving word. There are not a lot of Christmas carols about grief. There's about joy to the world and that, but don't we, we all have in our families, in our lives, we grieve during the time of the Christmas season as well, and the psalmist can be, help us be that honest. Like yesterday, many of us were at Barney Moore's funeral with Angie and with the family, many or there, that family's going to have a very different Christmas in three days. And forever, we'll remember that just before Christmas, Barney died and there was a funeral. My grandmother, my beloved maternal grandmother, whom Cousin Johnny knew, we called me Mama. Me Mama died on Christmas Day. Christmas Day. I never pass over Christmas Day without some sadness and, and gratitude for remembering that. Remember in the, the C.S. Lewis, I think he said this in A Grief Observed, it's in the movie Shadowlands as well, where he's talking about grief, that the sorrow we will feel then is directly connected 
to the happiness we will feel now. Remember that? That the joy we have now will feed the grief we have then, and you get that. I mean, when we're grieving, and sometimes I talk with folk about this, that, that when you're grieving, you could have grieved less today if you had loved less back then. But who wants to live like that? But the more you love and the more you give, it could be the deeper your grief, especially at certain seasons of the year like this season. In the Bible and in the, uh, the biblical story of the birth of Jesus, the, the infancy narratives, there's a lot of grief. We jump over them to sing along with the angels, but there's plenty of grief there. Number one, they were a poor couple, Mary and Joseph. We know that because when they come to the temple to offer a sacrifice of all the strata of income that determined what your sacrifice was going to be when you had a newborn, they had the bottom of the rung, uh, a dove, two turtle doves. You don't get cheaper than that. So they were poor people. And poverty is always an issue for the society to deal with. They were not only poor, they end up being an immigrant family and a refugee family, having crossed the border into Egypt to live there as refugees for several years because they were seeking political asylum. Right? Herod was going to kill the baby and kill, the way the text goes, the massacre of the holy infants. Spoiler alert, we'll deal with that next week. Don't you want to be here for that text? But they go there seeking safety because uh, Herod was after them. Um, you read the Magnificat lately? I remember Kenneth Dean, Mary, used to say the Magnificat is the most subversive piece of literature in the world. The mighty are going to be brought down and the poor are going to be raised up, said Mary's song on the way to give birth to Jesus. And then they entertained these strangers of another religion who came to Israel and Judah area. That'd be the wise men. If you, if you go literally with it, they were probably Zoroastrians. They were not Jewish. So here are all these levels to jump beyond all that are connected with grief. And there was no room in the inn. Ugh. You know, Thomas Merton the Catholic mystic and prolific writer and social activist, said we pay need to pay attention to that text. There was no room for Jesus in that place. The world had no place, no room for Jesus. So he was born in the crash the cave. And so the place of Jesus has always been with those for whom the world has no place. And so, we pay attention to the grief in the text. For those of you who will be grieving, like I will, some during the holidays, my coaching is do something with your body. Don't just try to outthink it or outpray it, but go do something. Uh, get in on a soup line and feed some hungry people. Take a, get, a gift to someone up the street that's of a different religion or a different race or different ethnicity. Do something that crosses a line but it's part of generosity. I remember back when I was in the Southwestern Seminary a thousand years ago, I was in the early 70s and all of us had CB radios. And uh, my, my handle was the Cowtown Chaplain. 
<laughs> so if any of you were passing through Fort Worth in 1971, 72, if you talked to the Cowtown chaplain, that, that would be I. Uh, one day it came over there that they needed O-positive blood at the hospital. There had been a great tragedy. Now, O-positive is the most popular blood type in the world, which I have. And I thought, well, I've got to go. So I go, and there was one other guy that showed up there, and it turned out what they didn't need was blood. They needed platelets. Now, those were kind of the, felt like the early days of giving platelets. Now, Brian Knight gives platelets once a month. Walter Grant does as well. I've not done that before, but it's about four hours on a Christmas Eve afternoon that I spent right off the emergency room giving platelets for somebody who was undergoing cancer treatment. Every year I try to go give some blood around Christmas because it's something I can do with my body that says I'm grieving, but I'm going to try to do something good as well. What would that be for you? What would that be for you? Amen. Before telling the story of Jesus' birth, the Gospel writer tells of Joseph's reluctance. However, God allayed his fears through a dream. Joseph named the baby Jesus, which means the Lord saves. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way when his Mary mother had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband, Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the young woman shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus the Gospel of the Lord.
Now this is a strange story, no matter how you look at it. Mary, Joseph, the angel, the anticipation, and what to do about this news, which was the challenge that Joseph faced, right? Now some of you talked about this in Sunday school today, about the righteousness of Joseph and the choices that he had to make about, do I divorce Mary? Do I make a public issue out of it? What about her family? What about my family? What about him? And all of those choices he made, the way I'm labeling this is, he chose to keep Christmas. He chose to do what the angel said. Now, it, just the way the Bible looks to me, when I see Joseph wrestling with this anxious decision, day after day, maybe a few weeks, and then finally he decides, this is what I'm going to do, then the angel shows up and says, fear not. I mean, couldn't the angel have showed up earlier? I mean, what are angels doing, you know? Uh, don't they have a little... Couldn't they have saved him some of this angst by showing up a few weeks early? But no, they wait until he's gone through all of this and then decides and then fear not. Well, God has interesting timing, I guess. But he chooses Christmas. Uh, how do you, if, if, if I were to remind you to be sure and choose Christmas, what would that look like for you? How would that be for you to make sure you choose that with the grief that's happening, with all the world news that's happening, how can you make sure that at least you do Christmas? Now, I myself do not believe that there's a war on Christmas. I just don't. I think some of us who are used to the privilege of being a majority are having to give up some of that, and that doesn't feel good. That feels like a loss. That feels like a grief. But it's not a war on Christmas. It's not that I'm going to put my elbows on the cashier's counter desk and say, Merry Christmas. It's my right to do so. I think it's more Christian ethics about humility and hospitality. How can I this Christmas use those Christian virtues of humility and hospitality rather than my right and my privilege? Uh, that's for me to pray about and that's for you to pray about because we're in, we're in with God on how we go about healing the world. Abraham Heschel, rabbi of years gone by that I often quote, says that uh, God chose a way of healing the world that requires our participation. And isn't that a great thing to think about? that God chose a way of healing the world. Now, maybe God could have done it a lot of different ways without our help, but the way God chose it was that we helped God in healing the world. Abraham Heschel did that, remember? He put on his walking shoes and walked with Martin Luther King across the Edmund Pettus Bridge. And he said after the fact, it felt as if my legs were praying. How is it that you might go about choosing Christmas this year? It may be a donation to make. It may be a visit to do. It may be, as I said earlier, a letter to write. But it's up to us to choose the Christmas. We've seen now the backside of the tapestry, not as elegant and eloquent as the candles of the Advent wreath, but, um, but yearning, 
for a sign, grieving the losses we've had, and in choosing what we can do to change the things we can change. Maybe, maybe if we do that, we'll be ready for Christmas. Amen. There's a word offered. There's an invitation to dedication given. Because today is a special day, we're going to treat it specially. At this time, I'll call on Keith and Mary Frances Hedrick to come forward. Years ago, we did a Moravian love uh, a feast, and then uh, Claire Blackwell in our church reintroduced it to us. And one part of it is where a child leads the congregation in singing the Moravian song about the morning star. Morning star, oh cheering sight. And it's responsive, as in she will sing, she will lead us, we will respond, and Keith Walker will help us. And why don't we remain seated so that they can see both of you. Would you lead us in this time of this decision and dedication? Tell me not to stay my night. 
this time of the service, we always bring concerns and celebrations, and I want to bring a few of those to you this morning. Uh, first, we have a new edition of the Pinnacle that's available in the Narthex, our, our newsletter monthly. Pick that up uh, with some great pictures from last Sunday, and uh, thanks to Sid for a wonderful article uh, about giving that you can find inside, along with some upcoming announcements. This week, of course, uh, as is our tradition, on uh, the 24th on Christmas Eve, there will be two services we'll offer. The first at 4 p.m. is our Family Vespers service, and that one is a chaotic and fun service. And we're going to be retelling uh, the story of Jesus' birth with help from all the children who attend. There'll be shepherds, there'll be angels, there'll be Marys and Josephs. How do you say that plurally? They'll all be here. All are welcome. And we'll serve communion at the end, family-friendly communion. And then 1030 is our candlelight uh, service uh, that will also have communion served as well. So we invite you to that. Uh, in addition, um, there will be church school for the art and soul uh, class next Sunday. And you'll just have to check with your teacher if your class is meeting. If you, but I wanted you to know that that class is. Um, we have many prayers uh, to, that the congregation has in their hearts, and James already mentioned uh, the family of Barney Moore, who we laid to rest yesterday, praying for Angie and their children and their extended family. Our prayers are with them. I told Angie that yesterday. So we love them. And many of you have your own concerns. May God hear your concerns, as we know God does. One more thing, I, I, a couple more announcements. I, I apologize, I forgot. We have a pictorial directory uh, that, by the grace of God, and Will Matthews and Murdy Cope is now available. Murdy Cope took uh, many of the photographs that appear in here, picked that up on the way out, and we also have an electronic version. Get with me if you need information about how to download it. And then finally, our very own Valerie Waters uh, is here again for the second Sunday. She is gifting her new Christmas CD, Christmas Through the Years. Valerie is an accomplished keyboardist, musician. We're grateful for you here, Valerie. You can pick those up in the Narthex on the way out. They're free, however, her gift to us is she's asking that you make a donation of any amount to the church as you leave in the offering plate. Our choir has selected uh, the perfect offertory hymn to help us get to Christmas. We're almost there. So we'll hear them now saying, Good Christians all rejoice. Jesus Christ is born today.
All loving God, we give thanks for the gift of this day. And even though the rain falls outside, the sun shines bright in our hearts, among these pews, and in our lives. We give thanks for your love for us that is shown in these friends, in this family, in this church. We pray that you would bless us as we make the last few Advent steps all the way to Christmas. And we pray that when that day comes, that we'll be ready for Christ to be born in our hearts, to bring along the choir song and be a part of your great love for this world. Help us know how to be healers and participate in the salvation of the world. Bless and help, heal and hold us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. And celebrating the gift of God and the gift through Northside Drive Baptist Church, I say not with elbows on the table, but with hands and arms out lifted, Merry Christmas. 
and we will see you here on Christmas Eve. And as you prepare to go, remember this. May the strength of Christ uplift you, the comfort of the Holy Spirit surround you, and the grace and mercy of God give you hope and give you courage this day and every day as we prepare to go in peace. Amen.